All right, so this is part five of the five-part event that is the Ultimate Clone Saga Teenage Wasteland crossover over on Spidey-Dude.com. So uh, this uh, covers the final two parts of the of the Ultimate Clone Saga, and we're uh, very happy to bring it to you. Now, if you have any questions, leave us a voicemail at 818-925-6631. That's the voicemail line. You have the uh, email address at clonesagachronicles at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clonesagachrony, or like us on Facebook, spidey-dude.com, home of the Clone Saga Chronicles and Spectacular Radio. I know it's a big, long tagline. But anyway, uh, just uh, look us up on Facebook. Um, we do a lot. Also, go to the website. We uh, we do offer updates at Spidey-Dude three times a week. We've got news. We've got reviews. We've got trivia. We've got art. Anything you can think of, it's there. So give us some love over there at Spidey-Dude, and we'll uh, continue to bring you great content three times a week. So with that, we'll talk to you later. And uh, we'll begin the show. Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker. You see? I thought I was that clone. I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. Dyed my hair and changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according to our genetic structures, it might be Peter who was the clone, not me. That news pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't you just tell me I was a clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. folks welcome to the final part of our ultimate clone saga crossover uh we have the master uh the wind rider himself john wilson uh we have with our we have corpse grinder gerard de la tour Hello, folks. Welcome to the final part of our Ultimate Clone Saga crossover. Uh, we have the master, uh, the Wind Rider himself, John Wilson. Uh, we have with our we have Corpse Grinder Gerard Delatour. Hey, what? 
more the morbid angel Donovan Grant, Donovan Morgan Grant. <laughs> morbid angel. The dying fetus Zach Joyner. <laughs> what? <laughs> these are all but these are all band names except for Windrider, which is a song name. And last and lastly but not least, we have the troll from Finland, Zachary Henderson. Thank you. The troll from <laughs> Okay. I'm the corpse. What now? The corpse. That that's that's George Fisher's nickname. He's the lead singer for Cannibal Corpse. George Corpse no, Grinder what, Fisher. What was it? Was it Corpse what? Corpse Grinder. Corpse As Grinder. As grinding up corpses. That's completely inaccurate. I'd much rather just eat corpses. Oh wait a minute! What? <laughs> what recording? There was. You have to get him into a digestible form first. You're, Gerard, you're you're you can't be Jeffrey Dahmer. He was white and ate black people. You'd have to be the if you got the opposite. <laughs> Every, every time a white man falls on the ground, I pounce. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what's more disturbing, the fact that I didn't know about that or the fact that Jason did. No, I, I had to do a report on him, and we all had to do a report in high school. Okay, school, okay. okay. Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay, why Why are we doing this? White on black right. feast. So, Ultimate Spider-Man has wrapping up its Ultimate Clone Saga, and we want to thank all of you for downloading the episodes in this Ultimate Clone Saga week. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. It's hard to do without the drugs, though. And um, to begin, because he's hated most of the issues, <laughs> but he enjoys hating things. He really has. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> also, both of the issues that we're covering in this episode, I like. So, what are you guys talking about? All right. Spoiler. Um, we continue to miss Bertone. He has not yet been resurrected from his trip to Europe after being eaten by that clone. I need um, three more dragon. That's right. I forgot to introduce who's not here, Joshua Lappenbertoni, who wrestled a bear once. Did you just say we need three more Dragon Balls, Donovan, to get him back to life? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. No, 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 no. <laughs> can, can you leave my extra balls? I have well, like nine. Do, do you have stars tattooed on them? <sighs> Okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man number 104 was released on January 17th, 2007, and on the day that this was released, my brother turned 21 and went out and had a party of his life. It was cover dated March, and Zachary Joyner. Oh, yeah, I'm getting the rundown for this one. I totally forgot. All right, we open up at the Baxter Building, home of the world-famous... I thought I was giving the rundown for this issue. What? Never mind, it's fine. No, Did wait. You? What? I'm this is 104. Never mind. Go ahead. I don't care. Okay. Clone no, Saga. Did, 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 I'm confused because I thought you had uh, like an earlier one. Have you done no, a recap was, yet? No. I was supposed to recap this issue. Well, recap it then, bitch. I'm sorry. I just – for some reason I thought it was Zach, but I was wrong. Go, go uh, Jason. Okay. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's not, it's, not, it's not your fault. It's Zach's fault. Um. <laughs> He is a dying fetus. Uh, at <laughs> Mary Jane is at their Baxter building being treated by Reed Richards. You are just going to get hit. That's actually, no, that's actually a, the band of a name. The, the name of, see, see, this is what happens when I talk to Zach. Um, Mary Jane's being treated by Reed Richards, who at this point is not evil. I think that's ultimate enemy or whatever. Uh, she wakes up. She kind of freaks out because she sees the clone, which is Scorpion. And then she transforms into, I'm sorry, Don, Demo Goblin. Unless you want me to refer to her as, like, I don't know, PMS Goblin or something. I'm guessing that's going too far, though. I actually like that one. 
PM, okay, PMS Goblin. Okay, PMS Goblin. <laughs> and she's red, right? Well, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, she's red, she's angry, she's a woman. I mean, PMS Goblin, okay. Um, There goes our female readers, listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> People wonder why women don't As if we ever had them. <laughs> People that's wonder why women don't read comic books. Well, that's, that's a myth. Girls don't read comics. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rich Richard, who's actually a clone of Peter, bum bum bum, are on the rooftop. <laughs> They're talking. Sue's like, "Oh, it's okay," and he's you know being an emo bitch because it turns out he's not actually Richard Parker and his memories are fake. Uh, Fury and oh, I don't know his assistant or whoever. Are like arguing with each other. Fury's angry. Henry Gyrick. Oh, is that it? Okay, Henry Gyrick. Thank you. And and uh, and uh, sorry, Doctor Magneto, Puss, uh, Jessica, and Peter are having an all-out brawl. Uh, bat. We go back to the Baxter Building again, and the Fantastic Four are trying to restrain MJ. And. This is what happened earlier. I think we forgot to mention this. When she looks into the scorpion, scorpion's eye, she sees it's Peter. She calms down, even though it's not really Peter, because it looks like Peter. Because that's what calms her down earlier. I don't think we mentioned that. Right. Apparently, Peter's her kryptonite. Here's a love song there somewhere. It's <laughs> uh, um, it's it kind. Of, Doc Ock has made like this metal storm. It's kind of flying around him. Looks like something out of a boss battle in a video game. Oh, uh, what are you talking about? That's the perfect storm. Sorry, go ahead. Anyway, while they're fighting, the Human Torch shows up because, like, oh, Peter's my friend, even though he didn't tell me who he is. Um, and Sue's like, no, don't go. And he goes anyway. Uh, Richard, I guess he's like aging really, really quickly because of. Would it be clone degeneration or what? He just like of, ages. It's, it's out of nowhere clone degeneration. Yeah, he just is. he just ages like fifty years in like three panels and then dies. Oh, we're done with him for the plot, so he can die now. Yep. Uh, Peter and Jessica finish beating the unholy uh, Doctor Octopus uh, with actually a re- really cool beat. They just like land this both land this punch on him. Um, and then Peter goes back to the... Wonder Twin back. Powers! Activate! Activate! Maximum Spider. <laughs> spider Sting. Form of a female Spider-Man. Uh, pe- form of a prepubescent boy. Uh, Pete- <laughs> Peter goes back to the Baxter building uh, where MJ's been treated. So they get the they get the goblin out of her system, supposedly. Hint, hint, wink, wink. She's like, oh my god, Peter, you're you're not just crazy Kane. He's like, I'm sorry, MJ. I do love you. I should have never broken up with you. And they like hug and kiss. And they'd probably have sex right there, but people were watching. And anyway, he's like, I should have never broken up with you. And then Richards tells Peter, I can cure you. You don't have to be Peter. You don't, sorry, you don't have to you don't have to be Peter You don't have to be Spider Man anymore. Uh the end. Uh, to be continued. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Bum 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 bum. I I think this was a good issue. I think we finally got some action. We finally got some resolution. Some stuff is just is kind of out of nowhere. The whole Richard just aging. But I really like you know how 
assholic Dr. Octopus has been shown throughout this entire... No, that, that, I think that's the proper English term. Yeah, I just got your construction there. That was pretty funny. Thank you. Uh, I, th- I think it's really well done how much of a, frankly, evil, psychotic bastard he's been. Uh, I, You know, and aside from some of the creep, creepier stuff, I give this issue an A. I thought it was really well done. And, uh, you know, I guess the only thing left is clean up and we're going to find out, you know, Aunt May, because at first she's like, she disowned Peter. Now that she's recovered, will she still disown Peter? Find out next issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, which should have been all resolved in this issue. But hey, I'm Mayan Michael Bendis. How how well can Bendis do something JMS did awesome four years ago? Yeah. This was four years ago. In Marvel time. Or actually in real time. No, in real time. This came out in what, 06? End of, end of uh, end of oh six beginning of, yeah January oh seven yeah and wasn't the um, Aunt May story in two thousand two two thousand one there yeah okay the Aunt May story oh yeah the James the talk so we're in oh seven by this time has uh, Peter unmasked in the regular universe that was end of oh six Civil War right I don't know why I thought about that but anyways um so I'm gonna go with Zachary Joyner. This issue, I, I really enjoyed. This was probably... Was this double-sized? Because it felt more... It felt that it had more heft. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was... Um, the double-sized yeah. double conclusion? I don't know if it was double-sized, it was definitely lengthened. Uh, pretty good issue. Um, lots. Finally, we get the resolution. Things are mostly wrapped up. Uh, I liked how they kind of—they didn't really call it clone degeneration, but it is clone degeneration with uh, with the Richard Parker's uh, slow aging, hyper aging. And uh, if you want me to get really technical, um, there's actually a line in the Clone Saga, Spectacular Spider-Man number two twenty-three, where uh, Ben Riley refers or tells MJ, "Clones don't get to live that long. It's real people. They're Mary Jane, Mrs. Parker. Excuse me." He was That's right. Him. Peter's going to die. Yeah. So anyway, um, really a good issue. A really a great twist ending. You know, to keep you coming back for more. This would have been a good jumping off point if they hadn't have done the ending the way they did. Uh, so uh, I like the fact that you know the Mary Jane thing was kind of it's kind of just. I'm glad it got resolved, but I just kind of felt like this was an overblown story just to get MJ and Peter back together. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I am too. As the resident Peter Mary Jane shipper, <laughs> I'm gonna give this. I want to give this an issue, and I'll give it an A. I'll give it a solid, just a an A. Yay! Ultimate what Zach. The hell? This issue had uh, a lot of Bendis's fighting in it. But also, it had a lot of story, which is unusual for a, for a Bendis fighting story. So, I thought that was kind of cool. It's because it's a double sided. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. What did I call Bertoni earlier in the introduction? Yeah. Um, I don't know why you called him. Something ridiculous. They were all ridiculous. Yeah, I know, but his was also ridiculous. I was going to call it when he came on. Never mind. Just, just drop it. <laughs> just because you don't like death metal, Zach. Just roll. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. Other Zach. Um, I kind of liked uh, how Mary Jane calmed down a second time because she saw Peter. I thought that was 
kind of cool. Um, she wants to have his babies. She wants his baby gravy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, tasty. Wow. And then she wants the baby to get kidnapped and never mentioned again and then retconned a decade later. Oh, snap. What the? Josh Bertone? Did you come back from your trip in Europe? No, I was, no actually, um, um, I was killed by Carnage, but uh, when Carnage killed me, it took my DNA, so now I am Carnage. No, Carnage is you. So you're dating Peter now? <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Okay. Uh, We're going to have a conversation is, about is, that. What, 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 Except cool. in context, folks, I promise. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, yeah. Henderson. Uh, Zachary Henderson, Ultimate Zach. Did you have more you were going to say on that? I'm sorry. You got derailed by the entry of Bertone. Um, I really like the idea that Peter can choose whether he wants to be Spider-Man or Peter. Well, he's... Let me rephrase that. I like that he can choose to not be Spider-Man anymore. Yeah. If he wants to. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, I think they should have played with it longer than just one issue. They certainly played with the uh, Peter Parker No More thing for a while. They could have played with this thing for a while. Uh, I really like the issue. I'll give it an A. So... All right. Um, Two cents. I was noticing when I was reading through that um, everyone's calling it Mary Jane MJ. And I know that we all call her MJ, and in regular continuity they call her MJ. But in Ultimate Spider-Man, for the longest time, her nickname was Mary. Like, they didn't call her MJ, they called her Mary. And I was just trying to think of when MJ started coming out, but I just couldn't figure out when that happened. Um, I thought it was really, really cute how... Who is it? Let me flip to the page... I thought it was really, really cute how Ben Grimm uses a TiVo. That was um, that was so quaint and you know, two thousand six seven. That was cute. Yeah, it's, it's like four years ago. Uses a TiVo. Do people still use TiVos now? I, I I've never heard. Yeah, I, yeah, they they can. They're cheaper than DVRs. I haven't I haven't heard anyone mention their TiVo in a really long time. I guess. Um, okay, so they're all fighting, and. Dr. Storm is there in the fighting whenever there's a full-page splash of um, PMS Goblin nailing uh, Reed Richards with her fist, and he's all stretchy, and Human Torch is floating up there. Richard Parker's there in the panel. And then two pages later, I found my Oz notes, and I'm like, how did you have time to find your Oz notes? You were being attacked by a Redford she-beast. I don't know where you went or how long you were there, but you didn't have time to find your Oz notes. Um... I think the scene in the, uh, um, what's it called? Baxter building is okay. The fact that Peter Parker scorpion is still floating in that glowy ball of something is just still bothering me. I don't know how he's there. I mean, we thought that maybe that Susan was putting a force field up there, but this whole time still, I I don't know. Um, Octo Magneto Puss loses his glasses. This is the first time we've seen his eyes since his origin story. Random note that I thought was interesting. And yeah, this was just, I mean, there was a lot of action, a lot of, like you said, big boss fight style action at the same time, bringing us a lot of resolution to all the little plot points. It's not the best resolution. 
Uh, I do not like how this man who's been a completely functional 40-year-old man for however many weeks this has been going on in the background, suddenly now that his plot has run out, begins to de- deteriorate. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you could have kept that thing burning a little bit longer. Clone generation, um, man. It's a bitch. Yeah, it just it, it hits you as soon as the story doesn't need you anymore. The Clone thing the generation got you down? There's a cream for that. Clone generation that. is kind of like Gravity in the Looney Tunes cartoons. You know, like when you're walking off of the cliff, you know, <laughs> gravity doesn't kick in until you look down. As soon as the rider is done with you, bam, kicks in. And, hey, everybody. Um, I like throwing him the option of not becoming of not being Spider-Man. They did build up to this, actually very similarly to how they built up to it in um, the regular Clone Saga as far as the themes go, not with you know Morbius or anything, but the whole Peter Parker no more, spending all the time in the costume. Uh, he didn't go so far as to be like, I am the spider. I, don't, I hate Peter Parker. Hulk hate Banner. He didn't go that far with it, but... Um, but he definitely was trying to distance himself from his private life, and now he has the opportunity to swing the pendulum back the opposite direction. So, and I think that's probably another parallel to the regular Clone Saga, because you have Ben Riley here. Oh, look, he can take over the webs. Um, I don't have to be sidelined anymore. Although they spent six months, or they spent three months getting before they actually had to take over the webs, but hey. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry. So, so are you saying there was a plot, point, a plot point was drawn out too far in the Clone Saga? <laughs> maybe maybe and I can see that with all the hoopla and news media about Mark Bagley leaving the series um, this might have been like an increased bit of drama maybe Ultimate Spider-Man is ending uh, I don't know how it played out because I wasn't actually reading the books month to month at this time well, so, now everybody pretty much knew it was going to continue solicitations were far enough ahead that we can see that it, you know oh yeah we'd already, we'd already seen covers for uh, nights by this point okay this is the point where I was crossing my fingers going, Mike Ringo, Mike Ringo, Mike Ringo, Mike Ringo. Yeah, he's you know how you're cross- Oh, that's oh. really funny, Josh. It wasn't meant to be funny. I'm just saying, yeah, he's dead now, so but he wouldn't be on the book. Well, Did he die? Was I mean, he dead at this point? No, no, no. no. He, he, died, he, died, he died in 07. I thought he died in 05. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, Mike Ringo. Let's go look it up. How did he die anyway? Cause it was su- I remember because it was summer before I started college. He had a uh, he had a aortic valve explode. Basically, it's a really like it's really rare, but it's extremely fatal. Like you, you it's like ninety percent chance you die. Where it basically he had a hole in the one of his major arteries and it just sheared open. He died in '07, in like the uh, September of '07. Okay. So he would, he would actually. <laughs> Sad thing, but right as Bendis was or Backley was leaving, Mike Ringo died. Yeah, that's actually true. Well, these come out in the beginning of 07, right? Yeah, yeah. There's six more, and there's six more months of Bagley and six more months of Ringo. Um, really sad. So yeah, I would give this issue a B plus. It um had a few holes for me that I did not like, but it also did the job satisfactorily, so um, high B. And, um... I, I like this issue. Um, there's not much I can say about it, only because it's pretty quickly, pretty quick and self-explanatory. I really like the fight scene between Spider-Man, Jessica, and uh, Dr. Magnetopus Octavius guy. 
just because it, it's, it's interesting, it, it is very much like a boss battle in a video game, which is awesome. That's never a bad thing, to me at least. Um, and I liked how I agree the 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 G generation of Richard not Peter or Peter not Richard Parker clone was kind of you know okay we're done with you. So it, it reaffirms how pointless that whole thing was. So right. I, I I mean like. It, it wasn't badly written, but it just reaffirms that it was pointless, you know. So it's, it just, it just, I guess, since that's all that's over with, it's like you know, why was it there in the first place? Just to throw the readers off. It, I don't know. I, I, I think that's something to say for this for the arc and as a whole, and not just a specific issue. Um, but overall, I, I'll give this like, hmm, I give this about an A minus because I really, I really enjoyed the fight, especially this last page with. Uh, the two Peters, as it were, knocking out Doctor Octopus. I thought that was awesome. And the, and the ending is pretty good, you know. Like you cannot be, you have the choice to not be Spider-Man anymore. Because after all this, I'm sure that's you know that's that's an interesting question for him. So, it ended on good notes. I'll give it an A minus. And okay. uh, you ready, Josh? This is just from skimming and reading selected things and memories from years ago. Yeah, I remember when I first read this. Uh, I, I totally was an idiot when uh, when I guess Richard Parker aged and died. Even when Sue said, "You're not Richard Parker," it still took me a little while to figure out that he was an aged clone, Peter Parker. I think someone had to tell me because I guess I was an idiot two or three years ago when this came out. Because I'm like, "Oh, so is it a Richard Parker clone?" Uh, Mary Jane turning into a giant red monster is one of the weirdest things that's ever happened in Ultimate Spider-Man for me. And they called it the they called it the Demo Goblin. Oh god. Yeah, so like Peter's day to Carnage and the Demo Goblin. You know, which which is cool, I guess. <laughs> I like the um I guess it's kind of a waste that Doctor Octopus has been killed off. But oh well. Uh He was killed? No, I don't yeah. think he was No, uh, Jessica Jessica says he's dead. No, she's talking about the clones. Uh, he was not killed off. I do like how Peter Parker kind of flips out on S.H.I.E.L.D. and the FBI because they basically created this mess and now they're getting him in trouble for it, which they're, they're often to do in the Ultimate series. So he kind of flips out on them and they're going to do the whole you're under arrest thing and Johnny just takes him away. Uh, that's a nice happy ending with Peter and Mary Jane getting back together and the Fantastic Four all standing around. This is a nice warm moment, even though nobody cares about Kitty. That's, like, really, really bothersome. Like, Peter doesn't even give her a thought. He's not like, let me talk to Kitty first. Like, even in Spectacular Spider-Man, the cartoon, there was, like, a similar situation like this where Peter and Gwen decided they were going to get together, but they made the deal first. Uh, they're going to talk to their prospective, uh, uh, you know, paramours before they did that. Well, well um, and, admittedly, the situation was a lot less uh, stringent there. Well, which is exactly what he'll tell Kitty. He'll be like, look, Kitty, you know, the situation, you know, normally I'd be courteous to you, but the situation was so much different. You know what I mean? It doesn't give him an excuse to be a dick. I mean, I like that Spider-Man's a dick. It makes him more human, but I mean, he's a dick all the same. I, I, I do not like the way that Mary Jane looks on the second to last page, though, in the first panel. It's like a really, really bad Bagley Mary Jane. Look at her eyes. She's stoned, dude. She's high off of that Parker love. I actually oh, like that, that image. baby gravy. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> like. Her, 
<laughs> I do like her in the Fantastic Four outfit. That reminds me of uh, there's that what if story. What if the new Fantastic Four had changed together where Mary Jane wears a classic uh, Jack Kirby Fantastic Four outfit? I gotta see that one. Um, I'll send you a picture later. You can make it your desktop background. I have Superman Secret Origins as my desktop background. Yeah. Everyone I know hates that. <laughs> the uh, art was really cool. The particular image that I have, it's a really cool image. Anyway, I read it. I've got no opinion on it. <laughs> so Bagley did uh, really well on the art, though, especially in the Doctor Octopus fight. So I enjoyed this. Uh, it's not a clean end to it, but clone sagas aren't supposed to have clean ends. You know, you're supposed to have a few loose ends lying around. Just keeping exactly. with the traditions. Yeah. Tradition. Tradition. Dun, 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 dun. Tradition. <laughs> okay. Um, Gerard, what are your thoughts? You know, this is going to shock you guys, but I actually really like this issue. Um, <gasps> really? Gerard likes a modern comic <laughs> book? I don't believe it. Uh, I can't first, believe it. I can't all, believe it. I'm sorry, I was complaining mm-hmm. the previous issue how it was just exposition, 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 people standing around. This is how you actually do it correctly, which is that you, you, you pace the exposition with a lot of other like action and other elements that are going on around it. For starters, we actually see like, a climax to what's happening. Thank the gods, because you know, finally we're here after how many issues. Finally have them fighting and, and defeating Dr. Octopus in what was really a, a really well-drawn, exciting sort of finale. The only thing I didn't like about that, though, was that it it kind of mitigates the victory a little bit that Spider that Peter didn't get it himself. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but the fact that he essentially, if he, it's it sort of implied that he never would have had a chance to beat Ock if he didn't have uh, his female girl clone with him. I don't know. That's a little bothersome, but not not so much that it hung with me much beyond the fact that. You know, it was a good fight, and that last splash page did look pretty cool. <laughs> Richard just melting to death. I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. He just got really <laughs> And like you guys said, it's not like there's any... He just sort of appeared... Is this the first time he appears in the issue that he's just... No, that's not correct. Where he's just suddenly old, but there's like a gap here, and then it's sort of implied that it happened immediately. Just really strange. Um... Peter and Mary Jane uniting though was really nice. Was a really nice scene, even though, but only if you forget for a moment that he's supposed to be with Kitty, <laughs> which I don't know. It kind of makes him look like a jerk, but at the same time, you kind of understand what he's going through. That's a very human kind of Peter Parker moment. Thank God. It's know? just at, at this point, get- it's the inertia of the mythos. I mean, you have even I mean, in the regular books, any other girl he gets together with is going to be not Mary Jane. No, and but so I mean, here, when he's with Pete, when he's with Kitty, he's with not Mary Jane. So when he gets back with Mary Jane, even though there's a Kitty, you still root for him. No, but not even that. It's just that you, you know, finally seeing him kind of getting back to some sort of normal after being a excessively whiny, you know, crying, oh, everything sucks kind of character that he's been for most of the arc. Even though it's the quote unquote the wrong girl, you can kind of understand what's going on from his perspective at least. Um. And finally, that, that that cliffhanger at the end, I don't know about that. I mean, dun, dun, dun. Ultimate Spider-Man, I kind of doubt you, you know, Spider-Man won't be in it. I, I guess they were, 
I guess the hook that they were setting you up with was he could retire and then have, you know, Jessica Drew take over in his place, but... They were trying I, I to tease something like that whenever Ultimatum happened. It's like, is Spider-Man going to still be Peter Parker? But no. Yeah, like, yeah is, but, is, is he dead? That, that's kind of a week. But then again, this is not... Even though this is supposed to be part 8 of 8, it is still a two-week-continued ending, so... But overall, it was really exciting. It was well-drawn. It, it had a lot of things going on without having to have, you know, people standing around talking. So it's like a, a B-plus for me. Solid. What'd you think, Jason? Uh, I like this as a wrap-up issue. Uh, it was kind of creepy when the, um... Oh, that one guy from the Wrecking Crew hit on MJ, and she's like, I'm only 15. He's like, oh... I thought that was kind of unnecessary. Uh, I, I really don't, you know, I, I guess, I guess it's bad that Peter just kind of dumped Kitty without telling her. I don't give a crap. And he never tells her. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, Oh, he never does? No. (laughs) I'm correct on this, right? I I don't know. She just like shows up to his school one day and he's like, oh, Forgot to tell her that I got back together with MJ. I just thought oh, okay, that everything. Okay, okay. But this is the issue I was talking about, where you know MJ's brushing her teeth and her handshakes, and she looks in the mirror and she's and she That's sees. Uh, oh wait, you know what, Jason? It's yeah, she's you're talking King, about though, you're talking about next issue because you already did your thoughts on this issue right after your recap. Oh right, right. I thought we were on. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I got I got thrown off there. Did did anyone not give their thoughts on 104? I ha- I have one more thought that I forgot, which was I really liked that scene with uh, Sue Storm and uh, fake Richard Parker on the roof. Like, even though it confused me, that that was a very sweet scene. It's touching. It just makes no sense plot wise because he's dying out of nowhere. Yeah, and for convenience of plot. Okay, so burning on through to the final issue, the epilogue of the Ultimate Clone Saga. Ultimate Spider-Man number 105 was released on February 7th, 2007. It had a cover date of April. And this is, uh, like I said, it's called an epilogue, not part nine. Completes the Clone Saga, which ran for a grand total of eight months, not the two and a half years of the original. Um, Brian Michael Bendis is writing it. Mark Bagley has the pencils. Drew Hennessy's inking. Justin Ponzor is the colorist. Hooray. He's been gone the last two issues. VC's Corey Pettit is the letterer. Brad Johansson's the production guy. John Barber's associate editor, Ralph Macchio. I learned it was pronounced Macchio today, not Macchio. I heard the man himself say his own name. He's the editor. Joe Casada is the editor in chief, and Dan Buckley is the publisher. Peter is still faced with the idea of not having to be Spider-Man, but he can't process it right now. He thanks the Fantastic Four for saving Mary Jane, kisses her goodbye to her open-eyed surprise, I might add, and he goes with Johnny Storm to find his aunt. Just in time, too, because that's when Nick Fury, Captain America, Iron Man, and the Wasp show up. The Ultimates are kind of useless here because Fury is the only one who says anything. He demands that they turn over Peter Parker until Mary Jane tells him off for how he is treating a boy who looks up to him like a father. Boo, yeah. Change scene to the Blackbird flying over Forest Hills for a look at the Parker house. When they get near, they see that Spider Slayer EMT vehicle hullabaloo and Jean Grey gets mental impressions that May has had a heart attack and is at First Baptist, which I guess is a hospital, not a church. So they fly that way. 
we can't all be First Baptist, you know. Peter arrives to the hospital where Susan Storm is watching over May. He's put all the pieces together on the fate of his alleged father because he's smart like that and because it would be silly to go over it all again. Susan leaves to check on her family and Peter sits down beside May. He begins to talk to her about how he didn't trust her and how she's like a mother to him when Nick Fury shows up with his ultimates. He has the ultimates wait outside because they're useless, and he explains to Peter that he had the Spider Slayers ready to take Peter down before he could become the next big supervillain. Because usually when someone goes through all the shysa that Peter's gone through, that's what happens. They become evil. I really evil. hate this guy. So, Fury does admit that he was wrong, which actually like breaks something inside of him, so he leaves. Peter asks that he pass along the message to Reed that Peter is going to pass on his offer to not be Spider-Man. Although he doesn't say that's the offer. He just says the offer. But to clarify for you, that's what he's talking about. And that's when Aunt May wakes up. At the same time, Jean and Kitty are outside the room and Kitty telepathically contacts Xavier, asking that he make May forget that Peter is Spider-Man, to which he refuses. So Kitty runs off in a huff because that's what Kitty does. And Aunt May hugs Peter and turns out that Xavier was right. She is willing to accept that Peter is Spider-Man. Then we have an appearance of our favorite non-superpowered S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, Sharon Carter, a.k.a. not Carol Danvers. That's an ongoing Teenage (laughs) Wasteland joke. Who is giving a statement to the neighborhood about what has happened when Agent Wu returns Mary Jane to her mother. Yay! Peter encounters Spider-Woman, and they touch base on where everything is. That they are cool with each other, and that Spider Woman is. I thinking I go to school with you. Yeah. yeah, not. Can you imagine? And that Spider Woman is going to go off and be herself somewhere else under the name Jessica Drew. They hug, and she swings off. Back at the Triskelion, we learn that Nick Fury has recovered both the Scorpion clone and Gwen Stacy, and he has them both in pink liquid vats. He tells to his cover doctors, up the naughty bits. Yes. He tells his doctors to get to work, whatever that means. Peter ends up back home, but his house is a shambles, and he's going to go stay with Mary Jane and her mother. The concocted story involves Norman Osborn and Spider-Man, and MJ can't remember anything. She and Peter have a sweet reunion, and they kiss before heading to her to her house. They don't realize, though, that just a few feet away. Kitty Pride has witnessed the whole thing and is in shock. The story ends later that evening when Mary Jane wakes up with a start. She checks on Peter, who's still sleeping, and goes to the bedroom, where she proceeds to have a serious bit of panic attack. Peter comes in, and she freaks out at first, because she thinks that he's the deformed clone Kane, but he is able to calm her down a bit, and the story ends with her weeping in his arms. Next ultimate knights and i want to pull a jason and just tell my thoughts on this issue before we go around the circle um it occurred to me in the hospital scene that okay we've always been afraid in regular universe that what would happen if i told her i was spider-man she might have a heart attack and ultimate aunt may despite her entire complete and utter difference from regular aunt may in personality turns out that she does have a heart attack after hearing about Peter's identity. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? So Peter um, was right all along. Peter was right all along. Actually, 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 technically, she didn't have a heart attack. That she had a heart attack because 
Was that when people were blowing stuff up? up yeah, it wasn't because of that. She had a heart attack because Gwen Stacy turned into Carnage, if I recall. That's correct. That's, no, that that's was when the heart attack turned. happened. No, I thought the heart attack happened when, when she was... I think when it she happened saw. when she turned into Carnage, didn't it? Uh, yeah, probably. But um, right, I'm wrong. I but saw. even though it wasn't instigated by her finding out she was that Peter was Spider-Man, it happened like right after... And so plot-wise, it follows. I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, I imagine that was not unintentional. I do like how Nick Fury now claims to have invented the Spider Slayers that he got from the Tinkerer. <laughs> Kitty asking Xavier to blank out Aunt May's memory that he's Spider-Man. This is a total non-sequitur. Because Kitty and Peter have spent the last two story arcs before this building up to the fact that he does need to tell his aunt. It was actually flowing very organically. And Kitty was the one who was coaching him along that road, telling him that, yes, you do need to tell her. It's going to all be okay in the end. It's almost happened twice in just the last two or three stories. I don't get why she's doing this right here. This makes no sense to me Um, in the context of the overall ultimate continuity. Because Kitty found out that uh, Ultimate Aunt May had a heart attack, so she's experiencing some regrets. Okay, maybe. I might buy that if you, like, include some Skittles or something. Well, yeah. If I was, like, telling you, like, John, you know, you gotta tell your aunt about this, tell her about this, tell her about this, and then she found out and she had a heart attack, I'd probably think, okay, that was probably a bad idea. Let me see if I can undo it. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll go with that. Take um, that, Jesse Garrett. With I, I keep getting little vibes about this version. I know that we're kind of ridiculing the whole female Peter Parker clone Spider-Woman thing, but um, I do like how he kept sending little vibes uh, about this version of Spider-Woman that made me think of the original. I, I recently have read most of the original 50-issue run of Spider-Woman, um, and you know this version has a tense relationship with Nick Fury. Her status as a normal human is up for debate. Those were similar themes with the original Spider-Woman. And while Drew became Spider-Woman without any word to Peter, the fact that the exact opposite happens here, that itself reminds me of the original. Um, so I just kind of – I kind of like that. I um, I wish they would do more with this character. So on the page where she hugs him, do you think Peter got wood right there? Yes. John, you would ask that question. Dude, he, he's 15. He probably he probably would have got him wood if Mary Jane winked at him. I'm just saying there's a female pressing her body up against yours. You can't Wearing see the fact that you're but night clothes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no like jeans Honestly, or Honestly, if a female version of myself hugged me, the last thing I would do is get wood. I don't know. He has a very nice smile going on there. Uh, I love, love, love the line, organic web shooter, cool, and icky. And I think, I think this is the last we see of Gwen before the War of Symbiote story, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Um, I remember an issue where somebody was breaking out of a lab. I think it was, I think when Norman Osborn was like breaking out of a lab or something, and this was after Bagley had left. And, like, uh, a blonde person in the lab had, like, who was naked, I think, had, a, had like, a one-panel or two-panel cameo as she was escaping. 
I'm thinking that was Gwen, and I'm thinking that that was before War of the Symbiotes, and like yep. they flash back to that in War of the. Okay, yeah. I was, I was about to say yeah that that was I think it was Eminem's first arc. The one I know which one you're talking about. The one where Norman goes on TV and like you know that one. I can't, I'm sorry. I, 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 I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Somebody went into the Triskelion. And then there's like an explosion. I think it was Electro and someone else for getting out. And then you see like a blonde girl standing there for like two pants. She doesn't say anything. They all look at her like, what? And then she just leaves. Bye. So, hmm. okay. All right. Let's go to 105, please. We're on 105. That's what we're doing. Been, we've been on 105. Shit. All right. So, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, er, so I, I'm reading. I'm, re- I'm going back and reading the issues to get my final thoughts. Gerard, what you got there? Um, you know, th- this one has a couple of weird problems, but I do still like it. The the first weird problem I have is I'm wondering the timeline of these things because the X Men, despite being in like a supersonic jet, show up like way late after everything's finished already. It, it, I'm kind of wondering how long the events over the net last couple of part issues were supposed to take place because it seems a little preposterous that they would suddenly show up. Whenever when everything's finished already, almost as if like it's like a they, they couldn't figure out a way to work them into the plot, but they had to actually put them in there to show that Kitty knew what was going on. But anyway, that, I I thought that was like unintentionally funny when they sort of show up and like, oops, we're too late. But, um, there are a lot of good character moments in this one. The obvious one being the Peter and uh, Jessica Drew one. Where, where you wonder if there was any uh, cartoonish boing sound effects going on? Um, <laughs> uh, there was also that weird one where Professor Xavier kind of comes across as being a jerk, but then you because he he's doing the right thing, I think, but he looks so mean doing it. <laughs> like because the way Bagley Bagley draws him, like straight out supervillain, like with the super arch, like squinting eyebrows, like. I can't do that. And then there's this one panel where they show like half his face that is just a total like supervillain panel. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, but that whole thing with him, you know, like, oh, uh, Gene is like, you're right, Professor. And he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, damn, that's arrogant. <laughs> I, I guess I don't read enough Ultimate X-Men that, though to have a grasp of his character, but that just seems a little weird. Um. And the other thing is, the, the one thing that really bothered me right at the end was that the Gwen, the Gwen, the uh, Mary Jane turning into a Yeti plotline. I don't know why they kept it alive at this point because it's it's just really weird that you have this one issue that's tying up all these loose ends, and then just at the last second they throw a wrench in there and then just like re, re, reinvigorate one of the loose ends. I guess it's more of a hindsight thing, me being pissed that they never really completely resolved that. But see, I don't, I don't think know. I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a flashback to a transformation. I see it as a like a post traumatic stress. I've been captured by a monster and gone through all this crap and having a, a, a breakdown kind of thing. I don't know. I, I read it. I, I can see that. Like nowadays, when I read it, I kind of think that. But when I first read it, it, it was kind of a little ambiguous. I got that maybe it was something weird going on. I did get that vibe too when I first read it. But I think that I, I they hinted at it later on, like they, in the they books. Did, but I, I don't know. It, it's there is know. a line of dialogue here that says you're cured. 
Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, and they said okay. that they said that with the lizard too. I'm just saying it, it's there. So theoretically, they've wrapped it. Although you're right, it's a comic book. They can always go back to it. Well, they yeah. did go back to it. Like, wasn't there like a thing where her hand changed and she had to control the transformation in a later issue? Someone else said that. Zach, did you say that? It was after Kitty had come to uh, be a student at that school that they go to, and uh, her and Peter were uh, in the bleachers talking one day about uh, what just happened with whole, with uh, her seeing him and Mary Jane get back together. So, okay. I don't remember which issue, though. I think it was in Knights. Interesting. Let's see what happens there, then. What else do you have, Gerard? Um, I just want to make one like catch-all comment about this thing. It's more about the arc as a whole, but Bagley really nailed it for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. I, we kind of touched on it previously when like, you know, the inker has changed. Things. Outside of the first couple of issues looking a little wonky, his stuff is really good. I mean, it's, it's not 90s Bagley, which will always be my personal favorite. I tend to like that more than what he did on Ultimate Spider-Man, but that's just a matter of preference. But the really excellent stuff. And at this point, when you know, as it just sort of came out that he was going to leave the book, like we joked about the last time, the same Clone Saga thing again. What is it with this guy in Clone Saga? But um, it was really at this point when everybody was sort of starting to speculate who's going to take over, you know, all that kind of stuff. When the the internet started to yeah, I like this too. I agree with Gerard. I think this issue, along with 100, this 100 had the best art. Uh, it's not just Hennessy doing the inks anymore. Or n- never mind, it is. Okay, cut that out. It, it, but, okay, the inks and the colors complemented Bagley's art well. I kind of think this issue was, I'm not going to say unnecessary, but I think that the Clone Saga was fine. I don't know. Like, like to tie it on to the Clone Saga, I guess it works as an epilogue, but I it feels like it could just be the next issue, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, I really like the, the conversation between Fury and Peter because we get Fury's reasonings, which which you can kind of understand them, even though he, he clearly overreacted. And I liked that at the end of the day, the whole point of the Clone Saga was to just completely screw up with Peter and to see how, how much he could take before he broke down. And he, he did it. You know, he rose above it. You know, he became, you know, He's, he became the guy on top, so that was even better. Because it, 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 I was avoiding that. <laughs> Zach that, wasn't. That, that was even better, just because it reaffirms, you know, what kind of person, what kind of hero, what kind of character Spider-Man is, which I really liked. And, and I also like saying um, that a hero will save us. I'm not oh. gonna stay away. Uh, I, I also like uh, the Spider-Girl farewell scene and Professor Xavier deciding not to not mind wipe. I, mean, I, I like when people deal with consequences instead of retconning them. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it, overall, it was fine, so I'll, I'll give it a solid A. Cool. Gerard, you want to finish what you were going to say and we can like splice you back into where you were talking before? Uh, I didn't really have anything to add other than giving it a grade. So. What was the end of your sentence when the internet starts to... Oh, I was talking about how the internet started to like rage over who was going to take over for Bagley. Cause it, started, it got pretty heated occasionally. And there was that weird rumor that like John Byrne might come. I don't know where the hell that rumor came from. but When they announced <laughs> it and when it was taken over, I was like, who? But yeah, that's exactly. because I was, I was new to coming back to comics, and I was reading them all in reprint in like 
digitals anyway, so he had already been on the book for a while, but anyways, never mind. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I would give that about a B minus. Not as good as the part eight, but still pretty good. Jason. Uh I like this issue. Like I said, I I thought the guy hitting on Mary Jane was kinda creepy. And yeah, Peter was kind of a dick to Kitty Pride. But she's kind of a clingy jealous. Well, we have to go save Peter. Eh. Uh I give this an A. I thought it was a good wrap up. I don't really have anything else to add. <laughs> okay. Um Josh? Alright, uh, this is this is one thing that I liked about Ultimate. Like People say that they stretched this stuff out too much, and they did, but I do like how it gave us more time for you know epilogues to deal with repercussions of stuff. Uh, the whole Kitty thing, like, okay, they got back together last issue, Peter and Mary Jane. This would be the issue where he would think, gosh, I should probably call Kitty. The thought never crosses his mind. And to my knowledge, like, it never crosses his mind. He just assumes that, like, he's not going to call her again or something, and the problem's going to take care of itself. It's a really human thing to have Peter Parker make a mistake like this, and Peter Parker has, you know, cheated on some of his girlfriends over in 616 also. So, But for those who are going to ask when, we'll do some footnotes later, I'm sure, but... It's uh, interesting. Like Gerard, I totally thought that Mary Jane was going Demo Goblin again when I read the end, but I can actually see, yeah, it's post-traumatic stress, and that's um, – I like that moment between Peter and Mary Jane at the end. Um, I like how he basically, once again, stands up for Nick Fury – I mean stands up to Nick Fury, and I still feel sorry for Kitty because she did the whole trying to you know help Peter with this whole Aunt May thing, and to my knowledge, she like leaves the X-Men here. Like, she doesn't come back. She never even finds out, like, what happened when Jean's like, I agree. Because I think the next time that we see her, including the X-Men titles, is when she signs up for the school. So, am I correct? She leaves the X-Men over this uh, little incident of the I haven't read ahead in the X-Men. And um, I'm going to be recording our Meanwhile segments later to insert at the end of these episodes. So I don't even know what's going on in the X-Men at this time. I forgot. Yeah, the Jessica Drew goodbye scene was interesting. Um, with the with the Scorpion and Carnage, you know, in the vats, and I refuse to call her. I refuse to say that she's not Carnage. It, it's interesting how in fiction the vats always have the conveniently placed. Uh, what do you call what do you call that thing in the middle of the glass that's covering boobies? So what would you call that? Cock blocker. Well, whatever you call it. It's like it's very conveniently placed. Like you know, if Gwen was like just an inch shorter or an inch taller, you would totally get nipple there. And usually with male clones, it's like you know, it's a little lower. You know, like it's it, it, it's like a modesty thing. Okay, a little weird. What? What's wrong? <laughs> Nothing. Sorry. Sorry. I was did, <laughs> thought I was on mute. My bad. he was judging you silently but it wasn't yeah (laughs) no 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 no, no, no. i was looking at something completely different i am sorry that's i am am so sorry my bad (laughs) (laughs) so i I like (laughs) 
I like this as a wrap up to the clone saga. Um, I just feel bad for Kitty, so I guess I'll give it a B. And the two Zacks who started our shows, our respective shows, have the last two things to say about this issue. I'll, I'll go first, so that way Henderson, because this is you know his his storylines to speak, so to speak. Um, I'll let him go last. I I enjoy this issue art. Uh, we you know we really don't talk much about the art, but um, the artwork's solid throughout. Uh, Mark Bagley's always one. Uh, I think um, the post traumatic stress was a good was a good thing, and I kind of I kind of gathered that as post traumatic stress when I first read it, but that's just me. Um, I think the uh, the storyline was handled extremely well. Uh, the, the the ultimates were the most pointless. I, I know I referred to last issue as having stunt casting, but really we had stunt casting in this issue. Ultimates show up for no reason, other than for Mark Mackley to draw the ultimates. Right. So, um, that that I'm gonna knock that down a little bit because of that. Uh. Nick Fury's explanation—he's a dick. Nick Fury's a dick. I mean, let's, but he's been a dick in the Ultimate Verse, at least in Ultimate Spider-Man, pretty much from the beginning. So, um, this really should be no surprise to no one. So, uh, I'm going to give this a solid uh, B. And Zach Henderson, my okay. Lord and Savior. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> or at least podcast master. And yea, I say unto thee, bring me a bag of nachos. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> sure, why not? What do you have? If you will give me a moment, I will Holy tell you. Um, I liked it. Once again, uh, stunt casting, as other Zach said it. With uh, Captain America and Th- and uh, Iron Man. Uh, one note that I had is, if Johnny Storm grabs you and flies off, wouldn't you technically catch on fire? That's true. He controlled his hands. Uh, uh, his okay. Hands okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I, this I, up. I, He's always done that. Yeah, he can. He oh. can like flame different parts of his body. Which comes and in handy can, at times. And he can control like fire around him, so I'm sure he could control the fire around him, like not to expand and, you know, burn the people who he's touching. Don't burn but would you there. trust him to, to grab you and fly off somewhere? No. <laughs> That's all I was saying. He, he got in trouble for burning down Spider Man's college, you know, in the nineties. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They have this um, big story arc. Yeah. One question I've had: What's wrong with Spider-Man's suit? Where I mean, everybody, like Aunt May, says that it's a terrible costume, and like everyone else says that it's a terrible costume. But why? Why is it terrible? Because it's like the most. Uh, it's like one of the most truest uh, to the original six sixteen. It's a straighter costume than like an armor or a, another thing. I, I'm guessing. No, no, no! Like in the story, people are making fun of Spider-Man's suit. They do it in the, in the regular continuity too. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering why. <laughs> I'm wondering if it's because it's 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 it is kind of garish. Uh, your face is completely covered. It's basically a head-to-toe st- stocking. Um, it's not a traditional superhero costume that shows like you know the bottom half of your face and a symbol on your chest. 
Hmm? Well, there there is a symbol on his chest. That's my guess. I, it's I, more like a villain's costume than a, than a hero's costume. Ultimately, though, I agree with you, Zach, because I think his costume is awesome. And I don't know why people make fun of it. Wolverine can um, suck my bag of lollipops. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so Kitty kind of puts everything on the line here for Peter. In a way, I mean, she she does all of this. Leaves, I think she's kicked out of the X Men actually for acting like this, and then he gets back together with his girlfriend right in front of her face. That sucks. Somebody play the Sucks to Be Me music. Sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah, I love her like he like like I love the I love her. I love how he drops her like a bad habit in this issue. He doesn't even like give her the courtesy of dropping her though. Like he just assumes that like, you know, well, I'm back with Mary Jane, you know, the the rest will just take care of itself. It's not so much dropping her as forgetting he was carrying her. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's right. Wait, I already have a girlfriend. Oh, I'm sending her a breakup text. <laughs> oh, that never dude. even No, she just shows up to a school one day. He's like, "Oh my god, I was dating that girl." Like everything at this time I've only read once and it was 2 or 3 years ago, so I'm actually looking forward to seeing how that goes now. Because I've forgotten how that plays out. But uh, that's about all I have to say. I felt the issue was pretty good. uh, Up to par with all the other ones. So I'll give it a B. Okay. Final Uh, roundups. uh, Yeah, I was fixing to say. um, I was going to go around and and have everybody get their final thoughts. We'll start with Gerard and Donovan. Gerard, go first. Ultimate Clone Saga, regular Clone Saga. Everything. What do you think? Regular Clone Saga. Oh man, it's hard to sum up the regular Clone Saga because it was so long, and therefore had so many ups and downs. I, I think this one has more of a like tonal consistency to it, but mainly because it's a single writer and artist, and much less. Well, I won't say much less spread out because it was pretty spread out, but it, it was a single storyline that clearly had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Quote unquote. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little below average, but then again, I mean, we've already I already mentioned at this point this book I started to become very disenfranchised with the title, especially I mean, going back to like issue, I guess the Hollywood arc, I guess was the beginning of the point where I just sort of lost faith in this book. This was kind of a is this was right in the middle of a peak right at the end where Bagley went off with a went out with a bang, so it was good. It, the last couple of issues of this arc much better than the beginning, and then that would sort of carry through Ultimate Knights and then send Bagley off of the title. So overall, I, I think kind of a mediocre. Gerard, go. <laughs> I, was was, I, I, I think it was overall pretty mediocre. Where it started off kind of average, it got kind of really bad in the middle, and then really picked up at the end. So. Kind of like, wait, now that I think about it, kind of like the regular Clone Saga. <laughs> it starts <laughs> off okay, and then it gets really crappy in the middle, and then when Ben Riley becomes Spider-Man, hot damn. So, yeah, I, I guess it's that way. It's kind of an analog. <sighs> Donovan next? Um, yeah. <laughs> and in keeping with the theme here, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I remember... Re- I, I read it in single issue format when it originally came out, and I've not read it since. 
initially. I mean, obviously, I read it for this podcast, but uh, it was it was really good, and I think it's because just the idea of of a clone saga in general. If you're going to try to do that, you got to have some balls to just just carry this thing all the way through. You either do it big and loud and go for the emotional punch, or you're not going to do it at all. And I think Bagley really, really tried to make a really compelling story while at the same time giving subliminal nods to the original Clone Saga that came before it. And I think he, I think he succeeded. I think the sensationalism, the sensationalism of having a, a, a twist in every single issue, um, it worked more times than it didn't. When it didn't, it kind of fell flat, but it didn't ruin the story for me. Um, some, I could have, I could have done some, I could have done without some things like the Mary Jane thing. I'm not gonna call that Demon Goblin, and uh, Doctor Octopus, you know, only metal, just because that wasn't very explained very well. But with the last issue and seeing how Peter just rose above all that, it was really cool, and I and I really enjoyed it for what it was. So I think I, I love, I, I you know, I grew up on the old, on the original Clone Saga. I love the, the original Clone Saga. But in terms, just in terms of like straight up writing quality, I think that's the one that's better, just because it was more consistent, it was shorter, it was more concise, and it, and it just has, I mean, and it just has a foresight of what happened before it. So it's it's not really fair to compare, but I thought this one was very successful in what it did. Okay, a good deal. And um, let's do the Jays. Jason, you go. Uh, I liked this arc. It had it had some pitfalls and some plot holes. But as a whole, it was fun. I thought I thought the um, all the Easter eggs from the original Clone Saga and the homages were fun, and the art was great. I, I give this arc this arc a solid B plus. B plus. Yeah, as a whole. And uh, Josh. How 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 long did this thing last again? How many issues? It was nine issues over. Well, seven like from the hit date of the first issue to the hit date of the last issue was okay, seven so months. Okay, so nine issues. Nine issues then? Yeah. Okay, this is what I'm tired of hearing. Oh, well, Brian Michael Dennis did the Clone Saga in nine issues, and it took the other guys so much more than that. It's like, you can't make that comparison. Okay? This is a totally different thing and different standard. Besides, the original Clone Saga was about was only about a few issues anyway, so from the 70s. So I, I'm tired of these people saying, oh, well, you know, Brian Michael Bendis is so awesome that he did the Clone Saga in only nine issues because this was, this was totally a different thing. And the original Clone Saga was weirder because not every issue – longer because not every issue of the original Clone Saga – when I say the original, um, I should preface that. I'm not talking about the 70s one anymore, which really would be the original. I'm talking about the 90s one. Every issue of the 90s one – was not about like who's the clone and who's not the clone. There was a lot of you know evergreen done in one stories over in Amazing and Spectacular. Once Ben Riley took over as Spider Man, you know the clone thing was going on in the background, but it wasn't. It wasn't all clones. All that somebody's breathing in the background. It's almost like stories in a status quo than a part of an epic. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, Bertoni's right. When you. <sighs> They had all these uh, all these subplots and different things. It wasn't a straightforward, in-your-face story. You know what I'm saying? Right. They had four or five different subplots going on at the same time. The overarching story, especially in the initial Clone Saga, was, you know, you got these clones. I would clones. say it's an era. Yeah, it is an era. It, 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 you know, it, it was an era. You know, this was a story. The other Clone Saga was an era. 
Because I mean, there was issues where the whole clone thing wouldn't be mentioned except for in narration, just to give you that his name was Ben Riley for years. He thought he was the clone. Now he's the real one. Stuff like that. But then he'd go on and fight Willow the Wisp, or you know, he'd talk to his girlfriend about you know, please don't show the pictures of me changing into Spider Man to the Daily Bugle. Stuff like that. Now this clone saga, though. It was it was very enjoyable, and uh, the thing with Ultimate, they can't really surprise you in that. Oh, you know, Norman Osborn's the Green Goblin. We saw that coming, but they were still able to, in I guess, quote unquote, adapting the Clone Saga, do some twists and turns, like the Scorpions, Peter Parker, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I liked, you know, what they did with this story and how they took it. Oh, here's another parallel for you. Um, you know, between the 616 Clone Saga and the Ultimate Clone Saga. What was Peter's emotional resolution at the beginning of the 70s Clone Saga? 70s or 90s? 70s. His emotional resolution at the beginning of it? At the end of it. Um, was um, to hook up with Mary Jane Watson. Yep, he's like, Mary Jane's the one for me. She's going to be my girlfriend. Nice. And, you know, it ends with him slamming the door with Mary Jane behind it. And here it ends with them on the bathroom floor together, which is probably what was going on in, at the end of 149, except we couldn't see it because the door was closed. And I did, I did mean to point out in my notes that this scene here with him holding Mary Jane is a parallel of the scene at the end of the last story where they were broken up at the end of Morbius where she was holding him. It was, it was a nice little... Uh, Oh, cool. 180 degree thing kind of thing, yeah. 360, you mean. Came full circle. Something like that. Um, did you have more, Josh? Uh, I'm good for now. I mean, I might expand on other people's thoughts, but yeah. Okay. Whose turn is it? Mine Go or? ahead. Okay. Um... <laughs> All right. Here's my here's here. I want to I, I want to rattle off the, the the symmetries between the Clone Saga of the '90s and the Clone Saga of Ultimate Universe. You got Doc Ock's involvement. You've got. Wait, I, thought you, I thought you said you were making that up. No, Doc Ock was really involved in the Clone Saga in, tar, in terms of uh, he was a. He died part. in Web of Death, the last Doc Ock spider, the last Doc Ock saga ever, and he was yeah. never seen again. Ever. Ever. Which, Actually, in the Ultimate Verse, he actually wasn't seen again. Yeah, so far he hasn't been. He hasn't been. But seen. That, that was that was true about Black Cat too until this morning. Yeah, well, I mean, but I'm just, what I'm just saying is, there's you know there's been this long sabbatical period, but without Doc Ock. Uh, so you got that. You've got a Scarlet Spider, um, in Spider Woman. Uh, you've got uh, the Six Armed Spider Man, which is uh, really not so much a clones like a thing but more of an issue 100 thing peter parker's parents which took uh, the storyline which took place before the clone saga kane is the or the this figure a disfigured clone of peter parker which is we refer to him as kane uh wearing a a sweater or sweatshirt if you will that is knitted to look like the ben riley suit of of the 90s spider-man um that's pretty much it that's pretty much it Oh, and a, a black and a guy named Ben Riley involved, of course. Right. And we don't want to forget that. What do you think, Ultimate Zach? Um, what exactly oh, are we talking like? A comparison like, between like the two? Su- or? Well, sum up of your thoughts of the arc. I, I mean, I, I, do you have more? 
I had, I had a little bit more. Oh, I'm I sorry. just wanted. I'm, I'm, no, no. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, you know, with all the all the, I loved all the homages, uh, all the little subtle things. Like, and one thing I did forget was Mary Jane being kidnapped by this figured Spider-Man. Um, loved all that. Loved the callbacks. Those fans of the Clone Saga were able to pick that up and scoop that out. Um, but also while ma- while writing his own narrative, uh, Bendis did a really great job with this. I think it was probably one of the stronger arcs of the second half of the uh, Bagley Bendis run, if not the strongest arc. Um, so I thought that was extremely well done, and I think uh, you know I, I, overall I think I'd, I'd give it an A. Now Zach Henderson, you can go. <laughs> okay. Well. Um... This I, I really like this story. Um, it was, I think it was kind of a way for Bendis to do some things that maybe he uh, kind of got tired of, like the Kitty Pride relationship with Peter. Maybe he was just ready for MJ to be back. No, I think that's it. I think it was just a way to get rid of the Kitty Pride relationship. Not not just that, but uh, a side effect of it. I liked that. Um, I kind of like Jessica Drew. I really. Hope they do more with her in the coming future. Um, I'm glad because I was kind of feeling like I was the only one in the whole group that liked her. No, she's awesome. She's kick ass. Uh, I, should, I, I, my problem is is Bendis's obsession with Jessica Drew in general. <laughs> That's not really fair to that character, but as far as like a uh, comparison to the original Clone Saga, either of them. The 70s or the 90s. I have not read either of those, so I can't really say anything about them. I had not read the 90s Clone Saga until just in the last few weeks. I've been starting to read it through the collections I've been putting out. And uh, Clone Saga Chronicles podcast has been my um, my chauffeur through that world. But uh, I've heard that it's good. I've heard that it's bad, so I don't know what to think. It, 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 okay, the it's very big. It's both. It's the very beginning and the very and the like. The first six months and the last six months are extremely. Uh, the last six months being better than the first six months, but they're really good stories. The middle is where everything goes to shit. Where they at that where the, the point basically is when they when the when this when the guys in charge of the marketing department started dragging everything out. That's when it went to crap. There is a reason why there's a lot of Ben Riley fans and people who want Ben Riley back are out there, you know, because we did get some good Ben Riley stories and Ben Riley did become a good character, and you know there wouldn't be that demand if the whole Clone Saga as a whole just sucked. I, I think it's funny that um, now that one more day has happened, that the Clone Saga fans are starting to crawl out of the woodwork and like it's safe now. <laughs> I think it was happening even before that, though. I mean, I remember going on the internet a few years ago. I mean, there was bring back Ben Riley groups and stuff, and web. Oh yeah, just, I was we, being we, pithy. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we, and this is kind of an evolution of the internet thing. But uh, I remember back when the internet was in its infancy, you had the Friends of Ben website, um, which was a website solely devoted to bringing back Ben Riley. And uh, that site has since died, as we let it rest in peace. Uh, many of the fan, of course, the, the concept of a fan site has really died too. Right. You know, I mean, or morphed rather. Uh, I, 
I'll I'll debate you on that later, but I mean, I don't know. It's just it, it's it's different. I mean, in ten, in twelve years, it's the the internet has completely changed uh, and completely morphed into something that's I never really dreamed or imagined it would be. Right. So. Um, so um, overall, I'd give this story an A. Really good. Really liked it. Um, is it the best Ultimate Spider-Man arc? I honestly don't know. Because if I'm remembering correctly, I really liked uh, And His Amazing Friends. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Sorry. Brian Michael Bendis had said many times, several times, that he never wanted to touch the Clone Saga. He did not want to do Ben Riley as Ben Riley was conceived um, in the original uh, universe. He didn't want to go anywhere near that, which, you know, I can respect that. There's a whole can of worms when you start bringing in, you know, a potential replacement superhero. I want to give him like a big giant three layer cake for telling a clone saga story that involved so many of the themes and so many of the elements of the clone saga as it was without the actual crux of the clone saga, which was the clone of Spider-Man that was going to come replace him. I mean, he didn't have that, and he didn't want that, but he still told a clone saga story. That yeah, it ended extremely well. Ended extremely well. I poked a lot of holes in it. I think 100 was a bad choice because of the ultimate fate of Richard Parker and where that went. It's like somebody said when we were talking about 105. Once he dies... It makes you feel like the entire Richard Parker thing was a waste. It was a red herring that got you excited that was quickly done away with. And other than that really big thing and a couple of the minor quibbles, uh, this is in my book as when I think of why Ultimate Spider-Man is a good series, this is one of the stories I think of. Um, Really enjoyed it. Lots of emotion, lots of drama. And um, I'm going to give it an A+. Uh, Okay. The, it was definitely greater than the sum of its parts. Okay. Jason, are you still on? I didn't, yeah, I'm I still here. You, I thought you left, man. You're just being quiet. I'm glad to know you care so much, Zach. Thanks a lot. No, I thought you had left. I'm sorry. No, no Dude, I'm still we here. mentioned like Brand New Day about like three or four times, and you said nothing. So. Ah, uh, well, because last time or last week, I was like, "Dude, enough with the Brand New Day references." I know. I was there. It was last night. <laughs> He was watching porn. Uh, As we get ready to leave here, I just want to say thank you again to all of the people over at Clone Saga Chronicles for agreeing to team up with us for this um, big extravaganza. We've had fun having them in our space. We've had fun playing in their space. Um, And I hope that audiences of both shows have really enjoyed uh, the episodes. And if you haven't checked out the other guys' podcast, whether it be ours or Clone Saga Chronicles, uh, I encourage you to do so. Um, I think we make a great show, and I know they make a great show. Woohoo! And, and John, just to echo your th- your your comments, uh, I had a blast. Zach Henderson, I I don't think we've ever met before. We started recording this, but it, it was good to meet you, and uh, I had a I had a really great time, John. Of course, as always with you, um, and you know, but it was really cool to have have a. I knew we were going to eventually cover this, but this would just this just seemed absolutely perfect. And uh, to get a good story 
to be reviewing a good story after we just got done with Maximum Clonage. oh my god um uh it was really really a great time so i do thank you guys for letting us come on your on and play in your sandbox so i guess oh go ahead no go ahead john josh uh john it was a pleasure I, i really hope that i get to podcast with you again one day in the future you know josh it's it's been a lot of fun and really um I don't feel the same way. You- <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> you're gonna, it's going to be like the end of that annual. You're going to be waiting by your Skype Thursday nights, like looking like, where? where, where where's my Bertoni? Mm-hmm. Oh, God, you too. Anyway, on behalf of Clone Saga Chronicle and Teenage Wasteland, this is Zach Joyner. <laughs> <laughs> this is Zach signing off. Uh, for this epic Clone Saga Alpha Omega Holodisc extravaganza. with that, that is the end of the five-part extravaganza. Five parts, uh, some people might say it was too long, but we had a great time doing these recordings back in the day, and um, I've, I've enjoyed bringing them to you. And we're going to uh, hurl it now towards episode 50. Episode 50 will cover Blood Brothers. Now, this is a particular episode that uh, it has one of my favorite stories on it. So, uh, But you'll hear a lot of... Uh, a lot of mixed emotions, I think, about this particular storyline. It's interesting to look back on it now that we're uh, much older. But I uh, had a lot of fun recording it. It's going to be about two hours long. We got to the entire cast of Donovan, myself, Gerard, Greg, and a little bit of Bertoni. And so we'll, uh, we will have all of that on there. And with that, we will, after that, excuse me, we will um, be doing some more Scarlet Spider, the modern era and then we'll uh, kind of move forward from there so uh, if you have a qu- any questions concerns be sure to leave us a voicemail hit us up on facebook or go on uh twitter and hit us up on twitter so uh, with that we will wrap it up here on clone soccer chronicles a podcast of course powered by spidey-dude.com and the spidey dude radio network mm-hmm.